Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tip Top Tech. This is a project by three college friends where we give you our two cents on today's tech news. My name is Mike, and with me tonight are... Haley. And Matthew. As always, and we are glad that you're joining us. So starting with the articles, Haley, why don't you tell us what you brought? Yeah, so recently, two like really big investors of Apple, uh, specifically... Uh, I think it's Jana Partners or Jana Partners LLC and California State Teachers Retirement System, which own a $2 billion stake in Apple. Um, they've asked Apple to address like child phone addiction. Ah, so, yeah. Hmm. So um, Apple's going to start looking into basically, they said that they're not really responsible for whether or not your kid gets addicted to their phones, but they said that they're basically going to be putting like child locks in the future, like more advanced options for parental controls. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah. That Seems like a uh, good idea. Exactly. And so this like is was an issue, I guess, because um, like the average age of a child getting a phone now is ten years old. Is when they yeah, when they get their first phone is the average is ten. Fifth grade. Um Yeah. No. <laughs> That's bananas. And basically they're asking Apple to kind of like look into this and they're trying to hold Apple responsible um, because phone addiction, like kids being addicted to their phone has like negative impacts on them, mainly like shortened attention span and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if Apple's suddenly back in everybody's good graces after all this stuff about them throttling performance and now they're like, oh. yeah, we're happy to put child locks on. Yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> they're still really mad. I think something about like France is trying to hold them accountable for like the battery thing too, but you know, that's unrelated. The country of France? Yes. <laughs> well, consumer Woo. protections. Oh, I suppose yeah. that's true. We'll go France in that case. Yep. Lord knows somebody else isn't going to step. Well, that's good. I mean... Hmm. I, got, I, I, I to, to take Apple's side, though, here, to play devil's advocate a little bit, if I were on their team, I would also um, not claim responsibility. It's not what? up to Apple to, you know, for parents who fail to restrict their kids properly. You know, I mean, it's it's a that's a parenting decision. And I know, obviously, I'm saying this from a point of total. Um, I'm speaking from a total lack of interest. I'm speaking from a total lack of <laughs> <laughs> Why is this not going well? I'm speaking from a total lack of inexperience here. Um, but And I'm sure parenting is more difficult than I think it is. But it's it's up to, in my opinion, it's up to the parents to try to limit the kids from, you know, fifth grade seems, I guess I actually expected it to be a little earlier. But that's the average. That's not, that's when most people have a cell yeah. phone. I Some mean, people start at negative five. Negative five. Exactly. <laughs> Some parents, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I got my first phone when I was in sixth grade, I think, but I literally didn't do all I did was like call my mom and my dad because it was supposed to be like an emergency sort of thing just to have it in case something happens. Yeah. Also, at that time, um, texting was it was it was like 15 cents per text message a lot of exactly. times or whatever. You only got 200 texts in a month. So you really had to be uh, really had to scrutinize exactly who you wanted to talk to and be judicious <laughs> about sending out those messages. Yeah, no. And then also I had like a razor, you know, flip phone. Oh, and then you had a razor. So, so yeah, it was so I was I was so pumped. I was like, oh my god, I'm cool <laughs> And now kids these days are probably like at ten years old getting like are they actually getting like an iPhone? Like an iPhone seven? That's what such, are they getting? That's a really good question. And I have people who are like, No matter what when I have kids, they're it doesn't matter if the iPhone four hundred and eighty three is out, I'm still getting them a flip phone and it's like, Oh, come on now, get with the times. But <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would am actually not against children having cell phones, like middle school age children having cell phones, assuming that they're yeah, flip exactly. phones with limited internet capacity, you know, and the, mm -hmm. not too much availability to abuse the privilege that, that something like a smartphone, you know, gives. And even with child locks, like kids are getting smarter and smarter these days. And I assume when I'm older, it's, I'm going to have a hard time keeping up with children and their familiarity with the tech with whatever technology happens to be in place at that time so i assume i'm still not going to have complete control over not that i would want complete control over somebody i assume that i'm still not going to have the prowess to you know keep up with them and to keep one step ahead of them um especially exactly. by sixth or seventh grade you've really formulated a, a, i don't want to say a set of skills but it seems like by that time you are technologically literate enough to to know the ins and outs of something that you interact with every day a little better than than the next generation up might 
But Matthew, what are your thoughts? You haven't said anything yet. Um, <laughs> good for Apple. It's a good feature. Um, Did it say anything about how they're going to implement it at all? What the what the other child restrictions would be? No, they didn't really specify. At least from the article I was reading, they didn't really say anything specific. Um, they just said in like in future iOS systems. I don't know. Hmm. Sweet. Yeah. We'll get on Apple. Yeah, I guess. Oh, Sweet. God. Thank you, Haley. Well, my article, my article is about a French company called Blade that's trying to release a gaming PC as a service model in the U.S through their platform called Shadow. Um, so they are taking signups in California for a release on February 15th for basically uh, gaming PCs that are stored in a cloud data facility, um, in a data center. What they do is they, um, it's a full virtual PC they offer, a full virtual PC which is accessible from another PC, from a phone, from a tablet, from a Mac, um, basically all the different platforms that you can do normal web browsing on, you can access this virtual PC the appeal of it is that Blade takes care of all of the hardware upgrades, and so every year, you know, or every however many years, the just uh, what two years ago now, the the 10 series of NVIDIA GPUs was launched, the NVIDIA 1060, 1070, 1080, um, and then like AMD Radeon, the um, Vega was was released this year, um, and so the idea is that instead of having to spend seven, eight, nine hundred dollars on a graphics card every two or three years, assuming that you want to spend that much, you pay a monthly fee and let them take care of that hardware upgrade. Um, you know, they'll keep you up to date with the latest hardware, the latest and greatest hardware. Um, as far as what's actually inside of the PCs, it's a runs Windows 10 on a Xeon processor with 12 gigabytes of RAM, uh, 256 gigabytes of storage, 16 gigabytes of dedicated video RAM, um, which is, I think, double the amount that most consumer-grade graphics cards come with. Um, and it's a 1080. It's not a GTX 1080, but it's, it's the equivalent of that, whatever uh, whatever data center equivalent that is. I think it's the same, runs on the same chip. Um, <clears throat> they are partnered with a company called Equinix, which is a data center company. And the idea, the so Equinix, I think, started in Europe as well. Um, and they have already... Um, I want to say within, I thought I had this written down and I don't, I want to say within a few months they had reached their, a few months only, they had reached their 5,000 person cap in France. They started out with 5,000 PCs worth of infrastructure and filled that up really fast. And then they moved into uh, Belgium and I think Italy or something. They allowed people from a couple of other countries. So they're trying to move, this company Blade is trying to move that service to the U.S. Starting in California, The as far as cost, it's $35 per month at the cheapest, um, which is when you buy a yearly subscription for all that hardware that I named earlier. So pretty a pretty solid PC for 35 bucks a month. And I think their biggest target is people who can't put up the overhead for, you know, a, I mean, an equivalent PC would be 1500 to $2,000, presumably. And so people who can't put that up front get to instead have the option to pay this $35 a month um, fee to have them, to have this company called Blade support their PC. And there are a couple of other comparable services, um, name, namely PlayStation Now and GeForce Now, and I think yeah. GeForce Now is announcing something at uh, CES 2018, which is happening right now, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. But neither of those are very popular yet. Um, but this is showing a lot of promise um, for the PC gaming as a service industry, which I think is a really uh, fascinating shift. To, or, and, I mean, I guess it's not surprising to me, considering how much other stuff is moving to becoming a service. Um, you know, like where all of the, especially on enterprise platforms, email and so the, the Office 3, I don't know how much you guys know about this. I'm in touch with this because I do IT for a living. Um, Office 365, actually the school uses it. Um, Haley is the, it's, yep. we get the whole Office platform through like a cloud service. And so then when the new versions come out, we just pay a little bit extra instead of re-purchasing a bunch of licenses for, or a bunch of uh, installations of that. We purchase a bunch of licenses for us to access, for students to access mm -hmm. that. Um, so that's happening. And then there's cloud storage, of course. And, you know, Netflix is is um, cloud entertainment. Netflix and Hulu um, and Amazon and everything are cloud entertainment. So everything is moving to like a, 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 you know, a monthly subscription fee. 
And this is especially interesting to me because I'm building a PC right now. I'm in the process of purchasing parts over a, a series of a couple of months here um, to try to spread out this super high overhead, which is admittedly a really real factor. You know, $1,500 mm -hmm. to $2,000, I think mine's going to come out to around $1,800. Um, is a whole lot of money to put up front. And because I'm living on my own and have a job and I'm not, you know, don't have a family and and don't need to pay for, I don't have car payments or a house payment or anything. <laughs> exactly right. I don't care about anybody else. Um, <laughs> to me, the big bottleneck here is the internet speed. The fact that the U.S. doesn't have across the board high bandwidth internet. Right. That, that was my first question, or was going to be my first question, was how well does it perform? If, like, is it... Actually, su surprisingly to... well. So the max, uh, the the max specs you can get are uh, 1080. You can run a 1080p screen at 144 hertz. Um, I mean, 1080p is not that impressive, but 144 hertz refresh rate is pretty solid for something over the internet. I read that there's something like uh, it's a matter of milliseconds of uh, delay, and depending, of course, depending on the platform that you're using. So if you're using like a mobile phone, the delay is going to be a little higher. If you're using a wireless connection, the delay is going to be a little higher between your input and um, the output of the game. And so maybe for professional gamers, I don't have anything written down about the specs, um, specifically in milliseconds or whatever. Um, I remember the person who wrote the article gave an anecdotal account of they were playing in New York with uh, on a PC that was in this data center in California, Santa Clara, California. Um, and there, they said there was noticeable lag between not, not prohibitive, but noticeable lag between the, their input and what the game spat out. And it would make it pretty difficult if you were trying to play like a competitive first person shooter it would be very mm -hmm. difficult right now playing in New York on the, the California data center. But the idea is that these data centers are going to uh, grow and they're going to build more and more of them in more major cities in the U.S. The infrastructure isn't in place yet, but the theory is that it could it could come out to be a pretty cool project. But I'm curious if if you guys whatever because like Haley, I know you're are you you're you play most of your games on a laptop right now, right? Do you have a desktop? I don't have a desktop. So is I'm this poor. something then that you right? Well, right, yeah college student i totally get that student loans are coming due soon oh boy am i not excited for that um but is that is this something you would potentially be assuming the infrastructure was in place and you could play all of your games you're not a to the best of my knowledge you're not a uh, trying to be an esports professional right so yeah no um, i don't have any plans of being on the overwatch league <laughs> though that would be really cool for a little yeah, bit there's controversy happening by the way in that it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, maybe that's another thing we could talk about another time <laughs> Uh, but not right now because this is my article. No, it's just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> but is that something you would be interested in ever in, in signing up for a PC as a service kind of kind of model? You know, that way you wouldn't have to worry about the hardware. It's just like a, a flat fee per month. Would you ever consider doing that? Sure. I mean, if it was like effective, if I was really getting you know the bang for my buck, if it's like. Because, okay, I accidentally, I don't know how one could accidentally purchase PlayStation Now, but I managed <laughs> to do that, thinking it was a PlayStation Plus subscription. And I was like, whoa, the price went up for PlayStation Plus subscription. And it's like, oh, no, you, you, I bought PlayStation like, <laughs> yes Now. And that was just, uh, it was not good. And I only played, like, one game, and it wasn't that good. Hmm. So it's just that there have been attempts before to try this out and so it makes me a little weary not weary uh what's the word i'm looking for weary no. wary there we go e. not, yeah so <laughs> it makes me a little wary i think is the word i'm looking for uh what is weary what is that a word that's like weary, like you're tired right oh i guess i never thought about that it's, those were it's different not like sleepy tired but like Weary. Oh, right. I'm growing weary no. of something. Yeah. I'm wary. wary. Okay. Like, beware. Okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm uncertain of this. <laughs> For me? Because there have been, yeah, there have been attempts before, but if it was good, if it was a solid service, if, you know, everyone else said, I don't really just go into something without looking at reviews and what other people say about it or even trying it out at least for a little bit mm -hmm. um trying it out i feel like would be fine i have you know i wonder if like i wonder if they'll offer trial subscriptions like you could do you know two months for 
40 bucks or something and one you could try it free. out for a couple of months Probably. what one month free yeah right exactly um Mm-hmm. I wonder how that would work. The other thing... Oh, actually, Matthew, you were going to say something. You go oh, first. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, um, I, I feel like any amount of noticeable input lag would just ruin it for me, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... I, I mean, I totally agree. This article led me to believe that it's actually really not a factor unless you're, like, extremely hypersensitive or um, you're playing games that are really graphically intensive. So something like GTA or something like, um, you know, like PUBG isn't going to have... <laughs> a lot of really noticeable right like it's not that's not is a particularly like, graphically intensive is it streaming game, the video i mm, i'm not exactly sure um i think it's running on that pc and it's just pushing everything back to you so have you guys seen by the way the little like the the unit what it looks like no the pc yeah, it looks like something straight out of, like, Black Mirror. Oh, like you're talking about... Episode. Oh, you looked it up. You're talking about the Shadow Box. So that... Yeah, um, what that yeah. is, is that's not actually a PC. That's the um, to connect your peripherals at home. So that's to connect your monitor and your keyboard and your headphones and everything um, to that. You don't actually need that in order to use the subscription and in order to have games as a service. This games as a service thing. The other thing is, it's not just video games. So for people who want to run, for designers who want to run um, like SolidWorks or um, CorelDRAW or like other 3D modeling softwares that are also very CPU intense or not CPU, that are also very graphically intensive. Or I don't know if there are any, you know, like presumably the the, the Adobe Creative Cloud, Photoshop, Lightroom, After Effects, all that. I can you definitely know, see that. Right. So for people on. who want to try to do something, um, small YouTubers, for example, who want to edit their own videos but don't have the money to put into a, a big, you know, a huge rig that goes underneath their desk, they can pay this and then mm-hmm. they have. And you can install, I mean, within reason. You can install whatever software you want. It's on these PCs that you want. It's your computer. It's They don't monitor it. And they actually, security was another concern. They said in their terms of service that except for data that would normally be shared between computers on a network, they cannot access any of your data on the computer. Um, and each computer is strictly isolated to its own little environment to the utmost. Um, to avoid like poisoning attacks where if one one PC gets compromised, the rest of them are still safe because they're all so isolated. So they did, they are also taking security um, into concern, you know, as well. They're cognizant of that. But to me, you know, with, especially with the cost of infrastructure, with like RAM, I just paid $185 for 16 gigabytes of RAM, which a year ago was hardly a hundred. Um, you know, it, it, with the cost of, um, Maybe I'm wrong. Matthew might be laughing at me because I'm wrong. I was laughing at Ellie's face that she made. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because we can see each other. Too bad, yeah, listeners. No, um, <laughs> but, um, and graphics cards, also with the rise of cryptocurrency, graphics cards becoming so expensive, you know, instead of having to shell out 500 bucks for the graphics card that I want, it's, and I keep beating this, I'm beating a dead horse now, I realize that I've said quite a few times the overhead cost of the hardware is a lot, but to me, it makes a lot of sense based on the subscription model that so many other parts of modern young people's lives follow. I don't think I'm ever, especially because I'm actually building a PC right now, so for two or three years, I'm going to have a pretty nice new PC. Um, I don't think I'm going to partake in this for at least a little while, but you know, eventually if I move into either like a, a, maybe a tiny little apartment and I don't have a lot of space for something, then all I have to set up is a monitor and keyboard. Um, or if I am moving across the country or something and don't want to take a a PC with me, which I don't know why I would ever do that. That's heretical, but I could (laughs) sign up for this model, you know, and still have access to all the stuff that I want. So, and it, yeah, it takes games from, um, Steam and Uplay and Origin and GOG and all the other it's it it it's you pay for a full PC it's there's no it's, there's seemingly no limitations on this except for the potential for an extremely slight amount of lag between so input and rece- whatever you receive back can I mind Bitcoin on it no I don't think so I think actually that's in the terms of service that you can't well that's a disappointment. <laughs> That's also not <laughs> worth your money at all. Thirty, you yeah. do not make yeah, back thirty-five dollars right. in a month. I don't think. Maybe you do. I well, guess it depends on the price of Bitcoin. Yeah. But mind them when Segway I'm not playing games. 
Yeah, segue into Matthews. Matthew. Well, speaking of PCs, I know Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> so all this talk about PCs brings us to Matthew's article, which is about the recent, unless I'm wrong and you've changed it, it's about the recent revelations of Meltdown and Spectre, which are the two processor-focused security flaws. Flaws. Thank yes. you. Yep, that, that is my topic. Um, okay, and it's, it's pretty complicated, so we'll see how I do with it. Um, but, okay, so... I read a little bit, so I'll keep you in check if you mess up. Okay. <laughs> don't be, wor- okay, no, don't I'm be worried. I'm not no, going to... No, 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 stop. All right, I'm never going to say anything <laughs> ever again. <laughs> okay, so Meltdown Inspector um, are two CPU security vulnerabilities um, that are... They're, they're sort of related, um, which is why I guess they were discovered at near the same time. The sort of cause that they're, um, what allows them to happen is a computing technique called speculative execution. So when your processor is um, running its stuff, um, if it's checking an if condition. Love when it does that. <laughs> Love when it runs its stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. Well, when, when it's checking for an if condition, if it's doing if this, then do something, if else do something else um it it um might execute both the if and the else um and then depending on what the result of the condition was um it'll just throw away the result that you don't need and keep the good one so the problem here is that um Haley, why do you keep making faces you keep like <laughs> I'm just making faces because I was like listening, and then I'm also like reading the article. I don't know because I'm I, I pulled up an article about it. Ah, gotcha. Okay, but anyway. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, so, um, it it's it's complicated. Um, it totally is. By looking at how long it takes to um, go around that speculative execution, um. Um, Solid notes, loving yeah, this. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so so operating system memory has um, it's split into kernel memory and user memory, so memory for the operating system and just regular programs, and they're supposed to be separate. So user programs just can't access any of the kernel memory. Um, but but <laughs> by uh, measuring the time that the speculative execution takes, we can infer the values that are stored in the kernel memory. I don't know exactly how that works. It's a little confusing. Hmm. Um, Michael's not going to back me up. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I <clears throat> maybe I read more about Meltdown than Spectre, because that sounds like it's more to do with Spectre than Meltdown. Um, the... What you've said so far is totally in line with the articles that I read, but the one I, the article I read said that it was, so a processor knows that, a processor doesn't know, people code processors to operate as um, efficiently as possible, and where the, where the vulnerability comes is processors will execute snippets of code that are like further ahead than where it's at because it knows it has to wait for some peripheral thing to to complete a process. Um, so like you were saying with an if else loop, it'll um, it'll do the if check or whatever, and then it'll execute the if code, and it knows that. Um, or uh, I don't know. see. Yeah, again, I I'm not exactly familiar with how so it works because I'm that, not a computer that was the engineer. Speculative execution. That, is that what that is? Yeah. And oh, okay. So yeah, and I'm pretty sure that um, I was talking about meltdown. Okay. For just meltdown. Um, yeah, I don't really understand the difference between them, but you I you I also read about the kernel memory and how it, how basically there are permissions that or there are excuse me. Basically, there are programs that should have zero permissions to anything. They should, they're should they just storing data and they're waiting in some segmented part of the processor. But because the processor executes code that's further along than where those kernels would be checked out. So there's, yeah, like, uh, like we talked about, a check of does this code have access to this? In order to improve performance, the processor will actually do whatever um, code is in front of that check as though whatever it is does have access so that when the check finishes, if it does have access, it already has that queued up and ready to go instead of waiting for that check to complete and then 
you know, understanding and then realizing that that program doesn't have access to it. So what happens is then that program swipes whatever data came out of that um, that section of code that was executed that it should not normally have access to, but it does because of the because of the speculative execution. I, I thought it would. That was my impression. My impression when I was just thinking about this right now, <coughs> so I'm probably wrong. Uh, but so when you're running the speculative execution. Um, you see that, okay, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, w one part of the speculative execution takes longer than the other part. So um, based on that you that that one part took longer, you can infer that the thing inside the if statement was a certain value. Oh, so you can see that, oh, okay, by like observing, okay, that, that, makes some sense to me i guess i don't really understand how that could be exploited as i mean just knowing which process was or which half of the if loop was executed doesn't make much sense to me as far as how that could be exploited but i do get what you're saying right i, I guess neither of us really have the full picture <laughs> i mean it's a pretty complicated thing it's a yeah. it's buried pretty deep in the processor and in computer engineering um but the yeah the article i read was was about how both of them were discovered at the same time after they'd been vulnerabilities for um, what it like, <laughs> however, in the teens of years, I want to say, like 15 years or 20 years or something. Yeah. And how all of a sudden both of them were discovered within months of each other independently by like five different research groups. How that is, is at all possible is just baffling. But it's the same way that Newton and Leibniz both invented calculus. Um, in isolated environments in the 1500s, 1800s? I think it's the 1800s. I thought it was like the 1600s. This, um, Let's I look think, it up. Well, okay, because this has to do with Intel, right? Right. Or like so, it's related to so, Intel. If um, anything has an Intel like product or whatever, it's... Meltdown is um, exclusive to Intel. To Intel. But uh, Spectre is all processors well oh not okay. not actually all processors but um including amd and arm and yep. a bunch of the other major manufacturers oh. and i've heard that meltdown is easier to exploit but easier to correct and that specter is buried a lot more deeply and harder to exploit but also way harder to correct yep Melt meltdown mm -hmm. is or specter is a little more general and there's i guess there's more cases to look at what I heard, I think, I'm going to have to like look this up real quick, but I could have sworn I saw on the news that the Intel CEO apparently was made aware of what was happening, and then he sold a lot of stock and didn't tell anybody, and then mm. Intel's like, hey, everyone else noticed, and they're like, why did the CEO Love sell that. literally everything? Because yep. he had to keep... He had to keep the bare minimum to still be CEO, but he basically sold everything else Love and kept the bare minimum that. to be CEO. Why wouldn't you and just quit at like, that point? Why would, yeah, everyone's like, what, what is he doing? Because and at that point, like, you're taking, like, I, you're, I mean, you sell a lot, you sell a bunch of stock or whatever, and so you still have a lot of money, but at that point, you're gonna get caught anyway. It's not like you can get away. I feel like you can't really, I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong and have no insight into how white collar business works, but. It seems like you can't get away with that at all. And so why wouldn't you just quit as the CEO and then people would be mad at you? Like, sell all your shares, sell too many to be the CEO anymore and the, then leave the, the organization. I read it. <laughs> it said he, um, well, he sold the um, maximum amount that he could sell yep. while um, being allowed to sell it. Um, and he also had to um, schedule it with the SEC rule 10B5-1, uh, which is intended to shield executives from accusations of insider trading. So maybe uh, he thought he could get away with it by complying yeah, with the rule, but he's just yeah. dumb because everyone can see. <laughs> yeah, he sold it three months before it was disclosed about the, about right. the chips. Well, and I know the the article that I read, I think, was from Wired magazine, and it said that the research groups, it, they found it earlier in 2017, I think. It was, like, April, I want to say, and then it wasn't obviously released until, or it wasn't announced publicly until just a couple of months ago. Um, and so they knew about it a while before then, but the question arose as whether, like, the CIA, or not the CIA, but the NSA and other, other you know, spy organizations um, 
cyber intelligence organizations did know about it and whether they exploited it. Because since mm-hmm. it's been around for so long, the probability, it seems like, again, this is going back to that, how does it all, is it just a big coincidence? But it seems like it having been around for so long would point to it having, somebody having found out about it a while ago. And if one of the, you know, governmental agencies found out about it and started exploiting it, then um, the CIA, or the, I keep calling it the CIA, the NSA has denied those claims. Um, well, of course they have. Right, exactly. I mean, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, actually are bad. We did that. So, <laughs> but uh, I am pretty saddened by this news because I just bought an Intel processor for my computer <laughs> that I'm building. Right. So, so the deal with it was um, the patches for it, um, they're, they're going to cause slowdown on your processor because Major you have to reload kernel page memory or memory pages um, every time you make a kernel call. Oh my gosh. So um, in games, it's not like terrible. I saw like five-ish percent uh, decreases in frames per second. Hmm. Yeah, it's not terrible, but noticeable. But I've heard it's as high as like 30 to 40% throttling <clears throat> of CPU operations for depending on what you're doing. Right. Um, which is insane, you know. So then instead of being a 3.9 gigahertz processor or 4.2 gigahertz, is I think what I just bought out of the box, it's going to now be a 3.1 gigahertz processor, right? Which is a significant step down. And to be honest, not going to affect me in the games that I play. I'm not, I'm not benchmarking CPUs, but... Um, yeah, but I I have also heard that the patches for it and the the new way that they're gonna, I mean presumably there's a different way to manufacture the chips that they don't do this or to engineer the chips that they don't do this, is gonna take like years and years and years to fix. So basically, this is a vulnerability that's gonna be in place for years to come um, without a real solution. Excellent. So yeah, love that. Great. Good job, computer engineers. Thanks, Intel. <laughs> Not that I could do better. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, moving on to a hopefully more lighthearted segment. We're going to talk about entertainment. Um, I like entertainment. Haley, you started last time. So, Matthew, yeah. what entertainment have you been... You say you like entertainment. What entertainment have you been consuming recently? Well, Michael... Um... <laughs> Why you gotta say it like that? It just asked you a question. <laughs> um, I, I've been watching Mr. Robot recently. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I watched season one earlier this year, yeah. I think. And then... Um, as in in the last eight days? It, not as in the last eight, eight days, but um, <laughs> season two as in the last eight days. And um, it, it is a very good show. Um so, do you want to explain just a little if, bit about what's, yeah, what yep, it's about? Yeah, that, that's what I was just gonna do. It sounded like you were losing your thighs from track. Um, okay, well now I really did lose my train of thought. You're so, talking about what Ms. Robot was. <laughs> yeah, but then I lost my train of thought, so I didn't know what I was gonna say. Okay, Matthew. Okay, time to be done spiting <laughs> Michael. <laughs> okay, well it, it's about um a, a group of hackers who um decides that they're going to hack the biggest corporation in the world. It's called Evil Corp, isn't it? It's called no, Evil Corp. No, it's called E Corp, but E-Corp. the main character calls it, has Evil it calls it Evil. And since you're basically watching from the perspective of Elliot, the main character, anytime E Corp <sighs> comes up, they say Evil. His name is also <laughs> E, starts with an E. I wonder if there's oh, Evil yet. Eve Elliot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't and know why um, I just howled like a reindeer, like a wolf. That was weird. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I really like about Mr. Robot, um, besides all of the other good things about it, is um, its realistic portrayal of um, computers and software mm-hmm. and hacking. Not that I know what hacking looks like. <laughs> I'm a good person. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, there's no creating GUIs and Visual Basic to trace an IP. Um, it, it's <laughs> I see real operating systems, real Linux operating systems, real commands, um, real terminals. I mean, I think as people become more knowledgeable about how computers actually work, that's going to become a more and more popular motif, is that people understand that they, production studios understand that they really need to be, have at least a base level knowledge of how computers work and that it, it's 
-hmm. it's fun to look at flashy sexy computer systems and GUIs that look up you know that run trace routes and whatever it's not practical that's not how it actually works and I think as people become more educated about that that's we're going to see more and more of that but yeah in in Mr. Robot um, they definitely didn't have to go this far like they could have probably made it decent but um i'm sure they actually hired yeah real on this real software engineers to Mm -hmm. to try to figure out or to try to you know model their systems out that's really cool though Haley, have you seen mr robot yeah uh i watched the first season um last year or maybe it was two years ago um because it's uh on amazon prime for like free well if you have prime it's free so but season three isn't and it just finished, and it's not out yet. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, no, wonder... I've only seen the first season, and then uh, I think two episodes of season two, and I stopped because I think school started. So <laughs> <I> dropped that. <laughs> Whoops. Friggin' school. Well, also, it's it's just really, like, it's not a show that you can just kind of put on and be lazy and be yeah. like, I'm going to do stuff. It's like you need to pay attention what's going on because it is a very trippy very complicated show well and i think part of that is by design you know that the main character is is he schizophrenic i don't know Not um actually. he has yeah it, he has social anxiety and he's depressed there's one more it's spoilers if i say it yeah the first we, we season can't say that <laughs> you can't we can't disclose on that okay well anyway but, but, so i wonder if that's by design though that you're supposed to sort of feel put yourself in the shoes of the main character and be able to i haven't watched um at the whole show by any means i've seen two or three episodes and so i i know enough to know what the show feels like um and it was good i enjoy it it was what I liked was that it was like a noir motif. There was a lot of... I keep saying motif. What I really liked is that there was kind of a noir theme. Um, it was, you know, there were... The color palette is darker and more muted. Um, but it's not super overdone. Like, uh, like I'm trying to think of an example. Like, Super 8 was, like, extremely dark and very, you know... Or, mm-hmm. like, uh, any of the... any. I mean, the the what's the newest Alien movie that's not Prometheus? The one that came... Um, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, the newest Alien movie um, is, it's like overdone. But this is, you know, it's it's very clearly kind of a, a, a realistic dystopia, um, but also still, you know, with a lot of grounding in what could be, um, you know, an honest society. And I think that, it, that that was the really attractive part about it to me was that it was a, a refreshingly... M- uh, subdued take on, on on a noir kind of dystopian sort of idea story. Yeah, uh, fun fact. I was looking at the Wikipedia page uh, regarding technical accuracy. Uh, nice. They received um, services from Avast, Panda Security, Avira, Kaspersky, Proton Mail, various bloggers, hmm. um, wow. former FBI cyber special agents, chief security architects, like. They, they have, like, there's, like, a lot of people <laughs> listed here. Yeah, like, for... real people who do real stuff with computers, which is awesome. Exactly. <laughs> That's really cool that they enlisted the help of, of those people to try to make it more realistic. And, again, just lends itself to the the maybe not extremely high production value. I mean, it is a high production show, of course, but it's it's not high production in a flashy way, like something like the Avengers or a superhero movie is, or yeah, Game of Thrones, exactly. But it's high production in areas that really count, and that's what I appreciate about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Sweet. Cool. Cool. Haley, what did you? What have you consumed? Um, uh, nothing other than the the German show, um, Dark. But Matthew already spoke about that. Um, well, you spoke I about did. it before we started recording, so do you want to talk about it? Oh, you, no, Matthew talked about it last time, I guess. What are your... <laughs> exactly, that's what, I, that's what I was saying. I was like, Matthew already talked about it. Um, yeah, okay, my bad. I, what is your take on it? I think it's really good. Um, it's, I guess, for some reason, like in other shows I've been watching recently, I've noticed that they kind of give more answers in like the same amount of time, because this has only 10 episodes, other shows like Netflix shows have roughly 10 or like eight episodes. And it seems like I kind of understand why things are happening sooner in other shows. In this one, I still don't know what's going on. And I'm like halfway through episode eight of 10. <laughs> nice. But 
Yeah, so I don't want to say it's complicated. It's just I feel like if they did say the answers right away, it'd be too soon. Yeah, well, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a show out of it. There, there wouldn't be all the mystery of it. Exactly. But um, they kind of start sort of answering some things, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm well, starting they, to... They give you the hints at the beginning. Yeah, they give you hints, but you don't realize it. <laughs> Although, okay, I totally called some things that happen, like, free, like the end of the episode, like, first episode, or, like, the beginning of the second episode. I called it, and it's like they actually revealed the answer in, like, four episodes later. They're like, oh, it was this all along. It's like, I already knew this. I already it. Like, I'm so I'm smart. I'm a detective. I might as well be Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I'm gonna write the show. I'm just kidding. But um, it's really good. Um, I will concur with Matthew though that the the sound, the music, it's not bad. It's just really, really loud and <laughs> sometimes really scary, which I think is good because it's an unsettling show. But um, it's like the sound editors have. The rest of the noises of the show, like the you know the speaking and ambient kind of noises, and then the music portion is just cranked all the way up. <laughs> it's too loud, <laughs> but That's it's good. Funny. How are you doing with uh, the characters remembering who they are? Because oh god, I lot. can't remember. There's a lot. I'm finally starting to be like, oh okay, that that character, and then it's like, okay, yeah, I I remember that one, but um, that no, I just finished episode eight. This is the dude who was drinking beer in the park that one time. Okay, got it. <laughs> oh, no, exactly, though. Like the characters... <laughs> After I was done watching it, I went on the subreddit and found a family tree and <laughs> relations. Yeah, like to provide that for me because that would be really helpful because I start forgetting things. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's in German. And I'm watching it with the German audio and the English subtitles because the English... Sub, not know, dubs. Dub is, yeah, the dub Always. was... Not only was it just, like, weird, it was just the fact that they're, you know, obviously the English dub is not lining up with the German, like, lips or anything, you know, it's not lining up, and that throws me off even more. This and then dishwasher I'm like, I have to... is really harsh in my mellow. I'm sorry, there's a dishwasher going upstairs in Matthew's house that's definitely going to be on the recording, and it keeps, like, My God, I sent you a famous Bzzz. dishwasher. There's totally nothing to do about it, and I'm glad that Matthew's, di- Matthew's dishes are being done. <laughs> I don't want him to have dirty dishes, but Thanks, it's Michael. on the recording. Anyway, no, that's really cool. Um, cool. It's a good show. Is it, like many other shows that you've watched, you watched a good amount of TV. I mean, is it similar to anything else? <laughs> <laughs> not not at all in a derogatory way. You're like, what do you even do with your life? I'm going to watch TV now. <laughs> if I had to compare it, um, I've been telling people it's like Stranger Things, but less humor. Um, like, oh. it's much more... <laughs> it's, it's much more dark. Like, Stranger Things is, you know, it's dark, but it's very lighthearted compared to this show. This show is very serious. Um, hmm. I There's no really, like, lighthearted moments ever so it's very dark um i'd compare it to stranger things but with time being hmm. a very big emphasis hmm. in the show cool also yep. uh when it's raining which is all the time uh not all the time they, they don't put their uh hoods up no the no but they just all stand out in the rain what <laughs> who does that what kind of savages <laughs> yeah no i'm trying to think of other weird things they just do that like they're standing in the rain <laughs> they just do that a lot. They don't clean up like you know. They have like bloody faces, and I'm like, you gonna, oh. you gonna take care of that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Grab a rag and just like wipe yeah. it off or something. Do you want to put a bandaid on that? Some whatever. They're like, no, I'm just gonna let it bleed. No, everywhere. scars look cool. Blood and looks cool. They don't cool. change out if they're like sopping wet clothes. They're like, I'm just gonna go lay in bed. I was like, you are sopping wet in the rain. Young lady, you take your shoes off before you get into your bed. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. But yeah. Good well, job. Um, actually, I'm glad that you brought up the rain because that reminds me of what my topic is now going to be, which I just thought of right now, um, which is that I watched recently the trailer for a game called Death Stranding. Um, and oh. have either of you heard of it? Yeah, yeah. you probably know it. It's, I have. Uh-huh. So it's a Hideo Kojima game um, with Norman Reedus as the main character. And they did some, boy, performance captures getting incredibly precise like 
the movements of the little muscles in his like in his face, you know, especially when they have a couple close-up shots of his face. Anyway, right now it's just a cinematic trailer. They don't have any gameplay, and it's actually pretty unclear what the game is gonna be. There's a lot of speculation that it's gonna be a lot like the other Hideo Kojima games that are like stealthy, kind of sneaky, sort of horror-ish games. I'm not in the frame, Haley. Sorry, you can't see me. Um, <laughs> There, um, did you say you don't want to see me? Fine, good. <laughs> we can do an audio call. I'm just fine with that. Um, no, um, but it's this, so it's really, yeah, unclear exactly what it's about, but it's some futuristic baby. society in which, um, yeah, there. Norman Reedus is still alive. Norman Reedus is apparently <laughs> still alive. Um, so Norman Reedus, I think, is like a driver. He's a transporter, a delivery person, and he's moving something from place to place. And you sort of wake up in this, he's been in a crash somewhere, and then um, there's, well, I don't know. It's w probably more worth watching the trailer than me trying to explain it. But the idea is that there are these extra-dimensional beings that you, the only way you know can know they're there is by these little machines that kind of look like claptrap's hands. Um, that oh, sit no. on your back that like stand up and start clicking, um, click clacking, which this looks a lot funnier than it sounds, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but they start click clacking when there's something nearby and then it starts spinning when it's really close. And then um, there's something about like they can tell if you're breathing, so you're not supposed to breathe when they're around anyway. And um, everybody has these around their wrists, they have these like life meters that depending on what color they are that's how close you are to death so if it's green then you're good and you're you're like alive and doing well and then if you're like sick it'll turn yellow and then if you're like about to die so there's this sort of horrifying scene but really fascinating where um one dude gets caught by some invisible extra-dimensional being and you see his um his thing and he like is about to put a gun up to his head and then he gets yanked in the air and he fires the gun just a little too late and so he drops the gun on the ground is being pulled up by this being that you can't see. And so then, this is really gruesome, but he pulls out a knife and starts stabbing himself um, over and over. And you see the, the band on his wrist turn from green to yellow to orange to red. Um, and then he finally gets consumed by this beast that you then can see. And Norman Reedus is kind of watching this whole time like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> Um, like, oh. And you can't like shoot them and you can't touch them and you can't hurt them. So, I, so it's I'm a big fan of um, kind of sneaky stealth games that aren't, uh, you know, there are a lot of games coming out that are like precision shooters or like, you know, Battle Royale is a big genre now with, of course, PUBG and with Fortnite and with all the other ones that are, and this is a genre that I think can be done really well, but isn't given a lot of attention, um, you know, a lot of the times. And if it is, it's not done very well, but Hideo Kojima has made some pretty awesome games. And so I'm excited to see this one but it's not coming out anytime soon it's definitely not 2018 they might have a trailer at e3 2018 um it might come out holiday 2019 my guess is it's probably not going to be until even after that because it looks pretty involved i am so disappointed in myself that i did not even know that there's a six and a half minute trailer that was released like yeah. i thought i was like oh yeah no the last trailer i saw was with um uh mads mickelson uh, oh, um, that one was really a, good. Yeah, I well, first of all, I'm excited because um, Guillermo del Toro is in this as well as is Norman really? Reedus. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, working with him because I think Guillermo and Hideo Kojima were supposed to be working on Silent Hills together along with Norman Reedus, and then that uh, all got yeah. Then there was some stuff with Konami, and that was bad. Um, and then Death Stranding came out, and but I'm so excited! I have to watch the trailer now. Oh, it's so good. It's I'm yeah, so the good. six and a half minute one is the one I well, I watched both of them, both the original one. The improvements between the original like two minute teaser and then the new six and a half one are noticeable, and they're really awesome. Like before, he wakes up on this beach thing in like this kind of sand with this weird oil, and there's a baby there. And this time, you see him wake up, and it's like the same setting ish but the environment is way prettier and it's like mm -hmm. way more well oh, yeah. fleshed There's... out so details are incredible on it yeah so good oh so, yeah so i can't good. wait to watch that after we're done yeah so 
that's mine. Um, I would highly recommend going to check out the trailer if you want to be disappointed for the next two and a half years before the game's out. <laughs> and disturbed mildly. Yeah, no, it is. Majorly. It's pretty. There's something. There's obviously some, um, you know, theme about babies and mortality and and whatever. And the reason that the rain. You're talking about the rain and dark. Um, in the series Dark, is that you see a shot of these plants and then it, or it actually the rocks to begin with and then it rains and then these plants spring up out of the you see them as though it's like a long-term time lapse but these plants mm-hmm. spring up and out of the rocks and then all of a sudden wither and die or whatever so that's kind of confusing and then you see these guys have these big hoods on because it's raining um and then one of them like falls down and gets trapped under this truck that had rolled over which is the crash that norman Reedus was in and he's like the rain is come, raining on his face and you see him like getting wrinkles and his hair turning gray and he's like getting way on so this rain causes rapid aging is the theory um which is you know something else to be explained i guess another mechanic that's going to be in the game somehow but that's what reminded me of it but yeah overall it looks like there's a lot a lot of detail going into this and i'm very excited for it Great. i need to watch the trailer <laughs> Yeah, you should. It's really good. All right, so moving on to philosophy. The question for today is going to be, and I just thought of this right now, so forgive me if it's not super involved, but one of my coworkers just recently left our organization. He's the fourth guy in six months to do it. Don't love that, but um, he just left our team, and he has an offer from a major video game design company in the southwest to go and be um it support at a he applied to be like a game developer um but they so they said no to that but then they offered him a position to go do it support at um an up-and-coming esports arena um he didn't tell Mm -hmm. me which company it was i don't know i mean presumably it's blizzard but i don't know that for sure um but i was talking to him and he is torn because he does want to go do that but he also feels like part of the reason he's leaving this job is because he wants to have a more direct benefit like a more direct imp- positive impact on people every day he wants to work for a nonprofit, um okay. so he can come in and you know directly impact uh, or and be you know the catalyst for um bettering people's lives um and the question that i asked him which i'm going to post to you guys is do you think that there is a legitimate amount of betterment to people's lives that esports can offer. Because he was saying that he doesn't think that this job, that this esports job, um, IT job, would be as meaningful. And my thought was that there are tons of people who derive a lot of meaning out of having esports events to watch or having something to distract themselves with or to escape with. And so I thought there was meaning, and he was kind of torn about whether there was or not. So my question for you guys is whether you think there is... Um, you, you know, that it's a, like a morally positive, that's the wrong way to say it. Um, how strong of an impact of a positive impact, um, working in esports can have on people's lives or whether it's just like a trivial escape, because I've also heard the argument made that video games are trivial and don't help anybody accomplish anything. And for the, you know, the most part, I mean, obviously some games help soldiers with PTSD or some games are for, right. you know, like gene editing or whatever. Those are different, but the vast like majority of like games. exactly big triple a games don't actually help anybody accomplish anything and so they're like trivial and meaningless and aren't worth spending time with i i would definitely okay. agree with you um that it's not meaningless i, I think it's okay. it, it's meaning it's just um in a different way um society needs art um and that's exactly actually what I was going to bring up is that video games are mm-hmm. often looked at as a form of art and to say that video games are meaningless is to say also that television and that um, you know m- music um, and that uh, physical art um, are all kind of it's putting them all in a category beneath some kind of like philanthropic action right you know going out and helping old ladies across the street like whatever philanthropic people do i don't know what that is and um yeah that's putting all i think that's assuming that video games it seems to me like the people who believe that who believe that video games are meaningless also don't think that video games are a form of art which i guess i do those people are wrong 100 percent 
Okay, bye. Yeah. One of our three listeners. <laughs> Just kidding. This episode has been a lot about games. It, I know our three listeners. One of them for sure does not. The only one who I know exists for sure does not. I don't know if maybe he just played it three times or <laughs> why exactly we have three plays on all of our episodes. But um, no, I'm Haley. What do you think? Do you think that you could um, find fulfillment pursuing a career in video games? Yeah, for sure. I mean, because it was video games that made me um, want to become like a computer science major, like inspired me to do that and be more involved in programming because I initially started out being interested in how like the concept art of video games so how they designed certain things and then that led me to be like well how do they even make video games and then I started looking into it more and then I found programming and I was like yep I want to be a programmer one day I'm going to do computer science like literally last minute decision to major in that um (laughs) I mean, yeah, uh, certainly there's the people that are like, I don't know, I feel like you could definitely be like, oh, no, that, that's not, it's not art. But in general, I think video games are art. And they do have meaning um, because, you know, like for me, it inspired me to become computer science major. And, you know, it, I want to work in video games, but, you know, who knows? I might not, you know, eventually might not do that or I'm, eventually I would, hopefully. But right. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, career path, that's a discussion for a different time, but career paths are so uh, haphazard. You know, people jump around all over the time. There's so much spontaneity in that. And a first job is never necessarily indicative, is not Mm -hmm. necessarily indicative of where a career is going to go. But it's just um, because, you know, video games require like so much to even become, like come into existence. So... Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's, like, really important to that. And then, you know, the video games as a whole can inspire, you know, who knows what to, to you know, become a computer scientist one day. Or, um, you know, my one friend, you know, they played, like, The Last of Us. And they were really inspired, you know, to, you know, biology. Because The Last of Us deals a lot with, like, infections. And it was, you know, right. everyone calls them zombies. And they're not. But um, <laughs> they deal with, like, fungal infection. So they are like are becoming interested in that, and it's just it's from a video game. So. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it's it's maybe not the video game directly that's super impactful, but what it spurs inside of people. But mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that video games can't be directly impactful. I'm sure that you know I've heard stories of people who like make it through trips to the hospital because they had Stardew Valley or whatever on their Switch that they could play in their hospital bed, and that's what kept them from being. I don't know, worse things happening or whatever. So I, they can have direct good, directly good impacts, but I think what you're saying is more that they can inspire things in people, inspire creativity or inspire self-understanding, and that is mm-hmm. where that is where a lot of the value can come from. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. And if I'm wrong, I don't mean to put words, words in your mouth by any means. <laughs> no, 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 but, exactly. Yeah, I no, I, <laughs> I mean, of course, I tried to convince this guy. I said, go do it. And even if after a year you decide that it's not impactful enough, one year, like people will do good enough things to make up for one year of not doing good things. If you mm-hmm. decide that you're going to be doing not good things at this, at this company, um, so go and do it. And he was, you know, he was kind of on the fence about it. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, I wish him best of luck, and I am yeah. jealous that he has the opportunity to go do that because it'd be really cool. But me too. Yeah, exactly. Maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday. One day. Sweet. Cool. Well. Neato. So at the end of all that, do either of you have anything that you would be interested in talking about? Any final thoughts about games or about um, the Intel Core Core Meltdown? (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I am struggling tonight. Or or not. Just uh, don't respond if you don't want to. No, I have a... Nothing to add. Cool. What are you looking forward to in the next week? Um, well, I'm going to order a new book. Woo! It's a sequel that I read, which I probably should have talked about this for my entertainment because it was an actual book. It's like the first book I've read as a form of entertainment since I began college. Well, save it for next time because that way you'll have yep. something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. What book was it, out of curiosity? Annihilation. <gasps> my friends talk about that. They say it's so good. They say it's, Annihilation's really good. Or so are you getting, don't tell me. Are you uh, getting annihilated? 
No, are you getting, uh, what is it, acceptance is the third one. Annihilation authority? Yes, I want to get authority next. Because, so each of the books is like its own kind of theme. Um, They don't, it's not necessarily like you follow this one character throughout the series. It's uh, Annihilation deals with the exploration of Area X. Um, Authority deals with the Southern Reach, like government, like the actual government itself it's more of a spy novel from what i've heard hmm. and then acceptance is um another weird one nobody really knows how to categorize it <laughs> it's like a weird history apparently of area x my friends didn't really like it didn't really like that one but no p- people don't like the this two acceptance. books the authority and acceptance they don't they, that's interesting the best one that's interesting that's more of an exploration of the universe than a conti- uh, you know a continuation of a single narrative. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll I see. Have no, I can't say anything about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Matthew, what are you looking forward to in the next week? I am looking forward to um, watching Mr. Robot more. Nice. Um, yeah. Season three, which I have acquired through alternative means, <laughs> not, not Amazon Prime, because it's not there. <laughs> cool well we won't press you on that um, alternative <laughs> means or I, however you get the job done um, I am looking forward to my computer case being uh, publicly available um, I am building a computer I don't have a case yet or a video card but that's coming later um, it's the fractal define r6 and it's not available yet it hasn't been um, it comes up for sale on January 15th publicly so looking forward to that coming out i'm going to order that and then i'm going to be almost done with my pc i still need a 500 graphics card which is disgusting but we'll get there eventually so that's what i'm looking forward to is this materialistic thing coming out because i all i want is things and all i care about is money so Me too. cool with that well thank you very much listeners for joining us and i hope that you have a wonderful time of day wherever you are bye, bye. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum, bum, goodbye